we are two weeks into the new year, which means you've probably failed at your new year's resolution, but a lot of soccer clubs are looking to fulfill theirs with the January transfer window. A lot of moves have already been made, and we will fill you in on those moves so far. The FA Cup results from the weekend and a massively huge Derby week and the Premier League. Grab your scarves. The supporter section begins right now. Welcome into the supporter section. I am Cole Carter. I am joined alongside Brandon Pasek and Stephen Curl. Gentlemen, it's good to see you guys. We're almost halfway through January already. We had a massive sports week here in the U.S. with the national championship in college football. Georgia, hello, let's go. But Brandon, let's talk about you for a second. How's your New Year's been so far? This weekend, I finally was able to settle down, basically clean out my calendar, clean my whole apartment. I am ready for the new year. Um, 2023 is going to be great, guys. It's going to be very, very great. What about you, Steve? Well, you know, everything was starting off great until Gareth Bale announced his retirement from club football. Uh, so I did like any sane person would do. I went on FIFA before they took him out of the game, and I started six careers with Gareth Bale. So <laughs> he will live on forever. Um, no, it's a sad day. But uh, And another, as I've been holding my Josef statue at the beginning of the past couple episodes, is rumored to go to Inter-Miami as well. So I don't know. It's fine. New Year's is fine. But my soccer, my soccer fandom, I'm a little down on my luck right now. Man, I feel I got my Gareth Bale jersey. He's on the back here. I can't quite show you right now, but I am equally as sad. My favorite player, honestly, growing up, when I started watching soccer seriously in 2011, I picked Tottenham as my team, and there was a sweet left-footed winger coming out from the back, and I just, oh, man, I miss I miss him being a Tottenham shirt. Now we'll miss him just playing in the game in general. What a treat he was to see him play for Wales in the World Cup, at the Euros, and obviously Real Madrid, his glorious goal, especially that bicycle kick in the Champions League final, one that none of us will ever forget. My goodness gracious. But we're going to get our first segment started on the day. Brandon, I'm going to begin with you. This is our transfer window for January so far. Give us a rundown of the confirmed move so far, beginning with Chelsea. Yeah, we have the answers for your transfers here in this segment. We have to start with Chelsea because they've made, as of right now, uh, five signings. So that's pretty crazy. Um, I'll run through them real quick. Fofana, he's a 20-year-old center forward from Mold. Um, oh, gosh. Badia Chile from Monaco. Ah, I know I butchered that one. Uh, for a lot of money, 37 million euros. Uh, Andre Santos, 18 years old, center midfielder for 20 million euros from Vasco da Gama. And then the one we've sort of been wondering about what's going to happen with this guy, Zhao Felix, 23-year-old. Uh, what is he, the fourth most, fifth most expensive transfer ever, something like that? Um for 11 million euros. This is a loan fee by the way. This is not this is not a transfer fee. This is a loan fee. 11 million euros with a 100% salary covered by Chelsea. I don't know if that's a good deal 
or a bad deal? I I guess we can get into it. Um, but also something interesting to note about Zhao Felix is that before leaving Atleti for Chelsea, he will be extending his contract at Atletico Madrid until 2027. I don't know how that makes any sense. <laughs> Tie him down to a longer deal, I guess. Um, good for Atletico Madrid. And then um, Christopher Nkunku um, from Leipzig um, signed. He'll be joining in July, so in the summer. Um, but Chelsea did play, pay over 60 million euros for him. So that's a lot of transfers mm. there. Um, I'll throw this one to Steven. What is Chelsea's current oh, transfer God. strategy with all of these guys? This is January, remember. They, they spent close to $300 million or over $300 million on players just in the summer. They're going to be spending a lot, obviously, now in January, which doesn't really happen all that often. Like, what is their strategy? Um, strategy is score more goals, win game, um, rather than addressing the current needs like the midfield or strengthening the defense as well. I I think it's just telling, like, even looking back at this last Chelsea game where Kalubalai gives away a uh, PK in the box by some just straight up just awful defending. Um, I saw a tweet that was pretty funny about why couldn't Kalubalai just staying in Syria where we all thought he was the elite defender. Um, that, that he's not, uh, yeah, Chelsea just keeps going for these, these high transfer targets that are cost a lot of money. And then ZH finds himself on the bench and it just doesn't make any sense. And you get Timo, it's all of these guys. There's, there's a, such a long list of failed Chelsea transfers specifically in the final third of the pitch in wingers and forwards and stuff like that, that. I don't know to answer your question about what their transfer strategy is. Um, maybe cast a wide net. One of these guys will stick. Uh, but it's it's really tough, honestly. Um, and you're still talking about you're still talking about guys like Mosala and Kevin De Bruyne that didn't fit into fit into this side as well. So it's just kind of rinse repeat revolving doors um they don't really give guys that much time either so chelsea's transfer strategy i think is just flexing that they have a lot of money yeah it's just it's just spending money that's that's their strategy i mean it's tough we talked about this the last podcast of where they literally just have had a full starting 11 worth of injuries but i mean some of these moves are supposed to be some long-term ones having fofana bariashil um, Santos obviously bringing in Joe Felix that's sort of the band-aid of the group um, if he comes in for the season and can get some production you have injuries to Pulisic um, Ziyech has been this question mark for whatever reason with Chelsea he hasn't broken that starting 11 like he probably would anywhere else um, so yeah it's just been a lot of money and like you said Stephen hope something sticks Todd Bowley has obviously been confronted with a lot of question marks regarding his actual credibility being a soccer um, owner he's done it with baseball with the Dodgers um, he's been involved with those teams but it's a different thing in Europe when it comes to these teams they're run differently and um, yeah we're finding out very quickly what might happen to Chelsea in the short term with the new American ownership I want to say something really quick too is 
Also, the revolving doors of managers, I think, is another huge problem when it comes to these transfers. Um, even mentioning the name Christian Pulisic, uh, it was it was sorry that I, I I'm getting confused of what manager was even in charge when the transfer went through. Um, but I believe it was sorry that afterwards said he wasn't my player that I signed. Like you also have a very real situation where Chelsea spends sixty million dollars on a player in Pulisic. And the next manager says, yeah, well, I didn't really sign him. So, like, that's just also got – you need to find consistency at the manager position. And Chelsea has the opportunity to have three different managers this year after a 4-0 loss to City. We're not, we'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, pressure is always on, it feels like, as a Chelsea manager. Well, we're just yeah. making a quick point. I mean, that's just the problem with so many teams in Europe is that these revolving doors of managers coming in and out – then you run into these problems where there's no consistency. There is no continuity between managers. The coaches are supposed to bring in their new, whole new system. Well, how does that fit in with such and such player and this, that player? So it's, it is crazy. And that's just why we're seeing such an influx of money being spent is because these coaches are being kicked out for losing seven games. And then there's 31 to go in the season. So yeah, it's just crazy. Um, that's why we see so much turnover and so much, I don't know, trouble within fan groups of, well, this player was great under him, but now under this guy, he's not doing the same. But, Brandon, you want to continue the line of what's next? Yeah, well, sticking with Chelsea, and we can talk more about Todd Bowley and Graham Potter later when we get into the Man City game. Um, Because I think it's definitely something that we need to talk about. It's interesting. What direction are they going to go in next? But as far as their transfer strategy goes, it's sort of always been similar. I was just thinking about it. It's like they buy great young talent. Um, around like 18 to 21, throw them out on a loan somewhere if they're not like good enough to start or be in the first 15 players every week. And hopefully they can come back and make a difference. But a lot of those guys just stick out on loan and then get sold for a bigger fee than they were bought for. Um, I don't know if Todd Bowley is going to continue that. But speaking of Steve, bad transfers. <laughs> I have a quiz for both of you, and I will start with Cole on this one. But according to Sky Sports, Chelsea have spent £319.4 million on forwards since the summer of 2020. Just forwards. Can you name all of them? I guess you guys can try to name them together. Um, this is all, there, there are seven of them, and it's not including the new loan Zhao or Christopher Nkunku who's coming in the summer. Forwards. Timo um, Werner, Lukaku, Roja, Giroud. I'm going to go and say um, Tammy, Marata. And yeah, Marata? I don't know. Mm-mm. Yeah, Timo Werner, Romelu Lukaku, right? On forwards. Oh wait, three um, players are current. Are four players are ha- currently on the team. Count? Oh. Yes. Okay, Havertz, Havertz, Ziyech, Pulisic. Pulisic was nineteen, I think. So you have Ziyech, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Lukaku. You have three more. And I'll give you one of them. It's Fafana that they just signed. I don't know why they included it, but that's Obama five. Yang. Six. Last one. Obama Yang. On the team, still. 
forward? You know it. You know it. Just transferred. Oh my god. This year? This summer? Oh my god, this is embarrassing. He's on the wing. Know. He just got hurt. Oh, Raheem Sterling. Sterling. Oh my that god. Yeah. Seven wow. of them. So now another question. Thinking of that list that we just went over, which one was the highest fee and can you remember for how much? I feel like it was Lukaku for 100 mil, right? That's my guess. Yeah. Yes, that's basically right. It says yeah. here Lukaku, 97.5 million pounds, basically 100 million. <laughs> that's and awful. And he's not people. even playing right now for Inter. Even no, on his loan now with Inter, he's still he's not He's loan. He's still on the books, I think, at Chelsea. So it's hmm. that's a weird um, – yeah, Chelsea's a weird place. We'll, we'll keep moving on because we're spending too much time there. Cody Gakpo, I think we've already talked about, lands at Liverpool finally. Um, Crazy. Yeah, I think he'll be really good there. He might. I wonder if he'll start this week. I don't know. Um, could play a big role. Southampton. But did they need him? Uh, they needed something. <laughs> With a couple injuries on their team as well, I think he'll play a big role. So I want to stick at Southampton real quick. Mislav Orsic, uh, 30 years old, left winger. Um, they signed him for eight million pounds from Dynamo Zagreb. Pretty good signing. And they sign a center midfielder from racing um, for 14 million euros, which is a lot. Which is a lot. Um, racing also have a 15% sell-on clause after that. Southampton obviously need a lot of help, right? They are at the bottom of the table on 12 points. They've lost the last six games. Are these two guys going to be the difference makers to pull them out of that? Like, what do you think Southampton is going to do the rest of the season, basically? Nothing. Steve, Cole, <laughs> one of you. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think there's a way out for this team. I mean, you look at West Ham. West Ham, I think we've said before, they're too good, I think. Um, they're in 17th. You have Everton and Wolves above Southampton. Bournemouth still could fall down into the relegation zone. I think Everton's probably the most likely team to escape relegation. Um, Nottingham Forest and Leeds are pretty safe. They're up at 17 points. I mean, that, it's pretty close within three points to the relegation point, but like, I just don't see them falling back into the championship. So, yeah, Southampton are screwed in my book. I don't think there's really anything that they could do. The best thing that they could do right now or maybe in the summer, is to offload James Ward-Prowse and make some money before they go down to the championship. I have a slightly more optimistic approach. Um, I think the bottom... I think it's really just... It's up in the air who's getting relegated this year. Like Nobody at that bottom of the table really looks good. It's like Leeds could go down, Everton could go down, Wolves could go down. Like All of these teams could go down, and you also got... West Ham could go down, sure. Like No one's safe. Like Bournemouth, like you said, Nottingham Forest... All of these teams could go down. Um, so it's maybe maybe them making these moves does do something. Um, and I think it's more of a factor of less of what, what Southampton do and maybe what other teams don't do. Um, again, like a lot of these teams don't look good. Like Everton does not look good. I mean, if West Ham doesn't write the ship, maybe they fired David Moyes and the replacement's worse. Maybe Lampart loses his job and it just goes downhill from there. You just don't know. So I won't say there's no hope. I'm not saying it looks 
amazing. I think they've lost literally their last five games. Um, but they play Bournemouth in this game coming up this weekend. And three points puts them, I think, safe? Um, puts them at 15 points, um, which is level on West Ham in 17th right now. So it could put them safe, potentially. So you just don't know. One win and maybe a, a fluke result like you see Everton get one against Manchester City. And you got some energy in that locker room. So um, this is why we love the Prem. I'm going to stick by predictions beginning of the season. This is going to be the best season ever. You just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And so keep keep your chin up. James Ward-Prowse, score some more free kick goals, deliver some more good set pieces, and maybe someone will put them away. <laughs> Yeah, and I think um, th- we were going to get into this a little later in the, the rumors section of the transfers, but I think uh, I can just say it now. Southampton have approached Manchester City on hiring their highly rated academy director, Jason Wilcox, as their new director of football. Um, Wilcox obviously put out Foden, Sancho, a bunch of other young guys that are currently out on loan for Manchester City, but that are coming through and highly rated. Um Southampton, again, has always been that team that has great youth, and they develop them and sell them on for a bigger fee. Um, I think that's a great move for Southampton if they can get that across the line. Um, and Jason Wilcox, that might be, honestly, their hope for this year. Um, he'll be he'll have a massive role to play in Southampton this season. I want to quickly wrap up here. Um, Bayern Munich signed uh, Daily Blend on a free from Ajax, sort of weird, 32-year-old left back, but he had a great World Cup. Bayern Munich, what are you doing? But if he fills a role on your team, you probably coast to another Bundesliga title. Um, Atletico Madrid, this is a fun one. Antoine Griezmann, one of our guys that we highlighted the whole World Cup, one of our favorite dudes, um, 31 years old at this point, but for 20 million euros, he finally gets the transfer from Barcelona to Atletico Madrid. Thank God he can finally play games at will and however he wants to. That's amazing. Um, Lyon signed Dejan Lovren. We also highlighted him in our World Cup episodes. 33-year-old center back, used to be at Liverpool. Um, they signed him for in a range of two to nine million euros. I couldn't get an exact number um, from Zenit. So it's a big gap. Yeah, it's a pretty big gap, but probably worth it. I'd say, I mean, he's still good. Maybe not yeah. good enough for the premier league anymore, but um, definitely has some legs on him. So that'll be exciting. Do you, do either of you want to stop on the Atlanta United train or any of the MLS transfers? I can give a quick little rundown. Um, we have the younger brother of Brendan Aronson, Paxton, he's 19 years old, attacking midfielder. He was just signed to Frankfurt for $4 million from Philadelphia Union. Again, we're seeing young Americans sent abroad. Hopefully, we can continue to see him develop, much like his brother has with Leeds, and see him potentially on the U.S. men's national team with his brother. Uh, Aaron Long on a free from New York Red Bulls to LAFC, the MLS Cup champions. Um, Charlotte FC, they just got Ashley Westwood on a free from Burnley. He's 32. He'll play a little bit of defensive midfield for them. And Atlanta United, our Holden Town club, has had a slew of moves, uh, loaning Marcelino Mourinho, the midfielder, to Cordoba FC. I believe that's in Brazil. Alan Franco also goes down to Brazil with Sao Paulo. Emerson Hyman has had his contract terminated. Dom Dwyer goes to be a free agent. And Tyler Wolf comes back from Europe, back to Atlanta United, as a probably depth move for them. Um, and then back abroad, Club Bruges, they actually just signed a new manager, a guy that we're familiar with from Bournemouth, and the cherry, Scott Parker, 
becomes the new coach, and now he gets the chance, as they're still in the Champions League, they advanced on, will get the chance to coach this season with them, which, Brandon, is that a good move for them, or are you thinking that he had a really tough run at Bournemouth and now he might suffer a little bit with um, Rouge? I think it's a good move for him professionally. Um, the Premier League is obviously very competitive, and if you're not spending money, you're probably going to go down. Um, where Club Rouge is always typically in the top two <laughs> in that in that division, top three. Um, they have a lot of young guys, like we said in previous podcasts, sort of like to turn those guys out, sell them for fees. Um, I think he'll be a great coach there. Um, now, as far as Champions League success, who knows? But it'd sort of be fun to see this weird story take place in uh, – when does it start? February? Champions League comes back? February. I think it's yeah. Valentine's Day weekend. Okay. Ooh, getting Quite crazy. Romantic. Very sexy. That's it, though, from the confirmed uh, transfers. I'll pass it on to Steve for some rumors. Ooh, rumor boys over here. Um, also, shout out Scar Parker managing Fulham before he was fired from that job to go manage Bournemouth. Um, so he's been on a roller coaster. Uh, yeah, so we're going to get into some rumors here. And I want to start off with someone that we're still going to put it in here because he's rumored so much after the World Cup. And I'm going to start with Enzo Fernandez, um, Argentinian national team player, rumored to go. I think Chelsea were the were the main club in talks with him. And this was hot. Uh, he was the main guy I was seeing in all of these rumor transfer um, headlines and whatnot. Um, but he kind of puts a stop to all of this after he scores a goal over this past weekend. And I don't know how you can make your intent clearer than scoring a goal. It was an amazing goal, too. Um, and then kissing your badge, pointing your badge, banging your chest and saying, like, I'm here, I'm here. Uh, manager after the game comes out and says he's off the market. Uh, so really a rumor coming to a close, but a highly rumored player, especially after the World Cup. A lot of these Argentinians are out in the news like that today. Um also, Fabrizio Romano commenting on uh, this guy, Memphis Depay, um, on a loan move, potentially is the word, and uses confident that they can get the deal done for the Flying Dutchman, the most overused term for any Dutch international player. They hate it. There's actually a big, long thing about how much they hate this term. Um <laughs> But yes, Memphis Depay to replace Yao Felix, who has recently departed, which we covered. Um, this is a very interesting move. I want to stop here a little bit. Memphis Depay seems like the only bright spot for Barcelona last year. 18 goals. And all of a sudden, he's on the bench. Rumored to go to Atletico Madrid. Um, is this a question that I have for you all? Barcelona sits atop in La Liga on 41 points atletico madrid 27 points in fifth is this barcelona saying hey listen we're in first place right now we're not even using this memphis to buy guy you know maybe he needs to go out on loan and help out our rival like it's so interesting when deals get done we were talking about the griezmann thing when deals get done between the top competing clubs for these domestic leagues it's so interesting to me um but yeah, what's y'all's guys' thoughts on this on this potential rumor of a loan uh, into Atletico Madrid? Does he make Atletico Madrid 
better same per layer profile of Seattle Felix? Like, what are we feeling here? It's a weird move for me. He's such a polarizing figure, Memphis Depay. I think the past five years he's been on the top of the world and he's been at the bottom. And um, as far as transfer between Atletico and Barcelona, I feel like they're probably thinking as long as it's not Real, we can be business partners. Um, as long as they don't finish above either of us, then why not try and knock them down the pecking order in one way or another? So they've done business, like you just said, between Griezmann. I think there's a couple of guys um, historically that have played for both Atletico and Barca. Um, obviously, it'd be pretty notorious if someone played for Real Madrid and Barcelona. But yeah, I think, you know, Atletico have been falling short. Obviously, with Jao Felix, he's not fitting Simeone's system as much as people would want him to. So he's getting a chance to go develop a little bit with Chelsea. I'm um, in Vista Pie, why not? You're not playing with Robert Lewandowski in front of you. So getting new opportunities still in Spain where you've proven that you can play, um, yeah, I think it's a good fit. Yeah, I've never been too high on Memphis Depay, to be completely honest. I think this is more of a tactical move by Barcelona. Get him off the books. Hopefully Atletico will play, pay his full wage. Um, get him out, get him playing, and then this summer you sell him on for a fee just to keep – basically to keep Barcelona alive because they are going to fail. Um, so they need the money. Um, so Paul this is, think, yeah, this is uh, more of like a chess move for Barcelona. I want to say rather than a let's help Atletico Madrid. Out. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. It's um yeah. Interesting to see if this move actually gets done because love him, hate him, high profile player, high performance at this past world cup. Um, and us fans, don't want to see that guy again. Um, you had to remind us. Yeah. Uh, moving on to something that is interesting to me, being the FIFA connoisseur that I am, talking about the soccer game, of course. Um, you look up Wonder Kids in the game right now. Probably the top person on the list is Barshua Dortmunds. I'm going to butcher this, uh, unless one of y'all know how to pronounce it. Um, Barshua Dortmunds, 18-year-old Yasufa Mokoko? Sounds great. Cool. Uh, yes, 18-year-old striker, German international, made his World Cup debut um, at 18 years old, um, which is absolutely insane. His contract is set to expire at the end of this season with Bashir Dortmund, a deal not getting done. And rumor has it um, that he don't want your love anymore. No, um, that's <laughs> Newcastle United is rumored with a wage structure of 150,000 pounds a week. Jeez. If you're ever wondering when the Saudi money was going to come into play, here's a perfect example of it. 150,000 pounds a week for an 18-year-old striker. Again, it's just a rumor. I just heard it. I heard it from one of my little birdies that talked to me often. So um, take it or leave it. Um, is this something? Is this nothing? Is it everything? I don't know. Big signing it would be for Newcastle. Um, yeah. Is it? What do, we, what do we think about this move, guys? Do you think there's any substance to it? Do we think it's a classic transfer rumor? But the contract is expiring. Newcastle need a striker. It seems like a Stephen Curl FIFA move. What could go wrong? I was going to say, I think, fee, um, like, Wages are always inflated if it's a free transfer. 
So it doesn't necessarily surprise me that it would be that much a week. Ah, maybe it does. It is a lot. But they're getting him for free. He's one of the best young strikers in the world. Um, it's one way to take a punt. Like you said, you have all this money. Um, you have Izak, who's been hurt, but will be coming back. I mean, if um, – remind me of the coach at Newcastle. Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe. God, my mind sometimes. Eddie Howe, if, that, if this is a guy that they've highlighted as the next guy for them who can work in their system, you know, cross the front three or wherever it may be, mold him into this amazing striker. Again, Newcastle is going to be playing in the Champions League. They are going to need to bolster their roster, and this is one easy way to do it, I think. I think it's a good transfer. Yeah, you said it best. That's that's what they're doing. They're looking in the future, young guy. I mean, it's not going to affect them one way or another for the wages, so yeah, why not? It doesn't hurt them the least bit. And you got Isaac coming back healthy, and especially when we look forward to next season, they'll be in a good spot with a signing just like this. But good, right. good work, Steve. Yeah, and I got one more question for you. Then I might toss it over to my man Brandon if he wants to cover any rumors of his own. If not, then we could just move on. Um, This is a player that is rumored to everybody and their mother. Uh, Weston McKinney. I'm not even going to begin to list teams that are quote-unquote interested or in on this U.S. international player. Um, Seems like as soon as he stepped on the field for Juve and had a couple good games that he's been rumored to leave. Um, My question is, does he leave in January? Um, Not to who, not to what league, but does he leave yes or no? What do we think? Cole? I think at this point, no. There's nothing really going on enough that makes me think he's going to go. I think Juve are just in a weird place as a club where he did, they just need him to stick around. Yeah. Um, I know he's been linked with Aston Villa. Um, I think he's always linked with Aston Villa every single window. <laughs> I think Tottenham the same. Same for Tottenham, but, yes. Um, I, I just want to say no because it hasn't happened. But it's going to eventually happen, right? It has to happen. So why not? Why not January? Yes, he'll leave Ooh. to go somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to jump on board. No, I'll say yes. I'll say yes. Um, this is a guy that came from Schalke on a loan with an option for a buy. Um, just to remind you about his little humble beginnings at Juve. So he's cost Juventus nothing, um, which is just kind of hilarious um so it's gonna be a profit either way my point being so maybe they want to get a new player in it's not like they have to hold on to this player to get his value up they've already gonna get way more than they paid for this player so um strictly on a number standpoint that's where they stand brandon do you have any other rumors that you want to cover or we want to go straight into recapping the fa cup let's let's get into the recap of the fa cup love it Perfect. Well, the FA Cup was this weekend. We highlighted two of the bigger games, the first one being a rematch of the same week between Man City and Chelsea. Man City had the advantage in the first game, winning 1-0 of what became practically a U23 team for Chelsea. Some injuries to Raheem Sterling and Christian Pulisic in that one left them shorthanded. But the weekend came, and uh, we had some predictions this one. Steven, you had Chelsea winning 3-1. Bold. Brandon, you had 2-1, and I had 2-0 in favor of City. Um, Yeah, this one ended 4-0 in favor of City. Chelsea cannot catch a break, it seems, and it just seems like it's all piling on them at once. But 
as we just mentioned, there might be this slim glimmer of hope of a young, fit star from Spain coming from Atletico Madrid, Jao Felix. Uh, is he going to make any difference in where Chelsea's going to finish this season? Is he going to be the savior of their season, Brandon? No. No, definitely not. I mean, I think it would be stopgap for now, but he's not that caliber of player yet. And I don't know if he will be. I don't know if he, I just don't think he's 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 good. He's a great player, but not like drag you out of the mud um type of player. No. Steve? Yeah, I think he might make it difference in some jersey sales maybe he might score really cool goals here and there but in where they actually finish this problem like we've already kind of alluded to the whole podcast with chelsea is much deeper um i don't think that they are impacted where they finish because of Yao felix yeah it's it's looking rough for graham potter um he's had since september october i mean he's had a couple of months to settle in um but it's just hard. Injuries are never something you can predict. They're just so random. Christian Pulisic and Sterling going down the same game is hugely detrimental. Um, I'm sort of on the train. I said this last podcast, the one before, just you got to give these managers time. You have to give them the opportunity to actually build their system. I mean, Bali is just trying to throw money at them. Like, hey, all right, fine. We'll just see if we can fix it with this real quick. Uh, but I do think these managers need minimum two years at a club. That's just my opinion. Uh, the reality of some clubs is you might have three months, you might get six months. Chelsea's notorious for giving you three months. Um, so for me, I definitely give him more time. Steven, are you on that same train as well, or is it time to get Potter out with the result like 4-0 against um, Man City? Here's the thing. If they lose against uh, Palace um, over at the weekend, um, Palace could go over Chelsea. I think there's there's a line and there's a difference of giving managers time, but there's an expectation which comes with managing Chelsea that Grant Potter knew when he took this job of maybe not necessarily being a top four, but to be 10th and not looking good, not 10th on the upswing. It's only been the downswing since Potter's been there. So um, I think that's when giving the manager time, time runs out. Uh, 4-0, terrible look. We talked about... Lampart last episode, I'm talking about Potter. I think this man will be sacked by the end of the year. Um, especially if they start losing. I mean, they've already been eliminated from the Carabao Cup, FA Cup, and they're in 10th place right now at the Premier League. And you just don't see it getting any better. Um, there's no identity. There's no. There's nothing. So, sorry. But I just, I think Potter's going to be out. Um, who knows? Maybe by February. I don't know. And we can see three different managers at Chelsea uh, this in one season, which would be hilarious. Brandon, are you giving him more time as an American owner? Definitely. I don't think you fire Tuchel to bring in an up-and-coming manager in Potter and then just sack him after three months. Um, I want to remind everybody as well that Potter won the first I want to say six games unbeaten in seven or something like that. I think the statistic was, um, and then injury bug hits them. They start losing games. They look really inconsistent. Um, yeah. And also they're still in the champions league, so they could still win a trophy this year. Um, they're a really good, bad team. As you put it, Steve, in our last episode, um, they can definitely turn it around. 10th doesn't look great, but you have to give them time. Look at, look at the, 
case that they're in right now. All those injuries, um, they're still spending money. Hopefully these are Potter players that he can work into his tactically flexible system. Like Again, like we've mentioned, he's a great coach. You have to give him time to build. And I think Todd Bowley will. I think he will. He burned me on my prediction, so I'm Potter out. I had my allegiance. I put my faith in them last week, and they made me look like a fool here tonight. So <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with Chelsea. Your ego is so fragile, my friend. Well, beyond what Steven thinks about Chelsea and Man City, uh, Man United on the other side of Manchester played Everton. And this one we had Steven. You had Man U winning this 1-2-0. Brandon 3-0 in favor of the Red Devils, and I had 2-1 to Man United. This one ended 3-1. I was minutes, even seconds away from getting this one right. And then freaking Everton give a penalty away in the 93rd or 94th minute to give a free goal to Man U. I'm so upset at this one. Um, but Man United's in great form. Uh, Ten Hag, after that slightly bumpy start, has the boys flying. Marcus Rashford is scoring goals after goals. I think he scored in six straight games. The kid is on fire. Um... Is Ten Hag the one to praise for the form of Marcus Rashford and Anthony? Um, and do they even really need to worry about people like Martial getting in on the play? Uh, Brad, I'll begin with you. How do you feel about the boys right now at Man United? Um, yeah, they look great. They look like they should. I mean, they're a good team. They spent a lot of money on this team. Um, it's coming to fruition right now. It's a long season, but I think Ten Hag has them playing the best football that they've played in a long time. Um, like years. So very exciting time for Manchester United. As far as Martial and Rashford, and I know we talked about last week, like a backup coming in. We didn't get to this in the rumors, but Walt Veghorst from Burnley is supposed to be getting loaned in probably this week. Um, he's currently on loan at Besiktas. So there has to be some talk with Besiktas. Can we get him back so we can loan him out to Manchester United? That's first of all, Weird. Man U, Burnley, and Bashik doesn't have a deal. That is weird. But um, hopefully it works out for them. So they will be bringing in a striker unless it just falls through. But, um, yeah, this Man U team, very, very fun. See? Yeah, the Anthony has been the one that's kind of struck me. Um, obviously, Rashford is the obvious answer. Um, but Anthony scoring, I think in his last three games, uh, scored today against Charlton Athletic, a very great goal in the Carabao Cup. Um yeah, they look good. They look good. And Martial playing his part too, whether he's scoring goals or not. But he looks threatening, like had a chance today. Um, didn't didn't put it away. But I think what matters is working well with Anthony on your right, Rashford on your left, giving these guys these freedoms, getting out of the way. That's the whole point of getting rid of Ronaldo, right? So um, really just giving Rashford the freedom to play has been so cool to see him. Seems like a new signing for Manchester United and seeing Rashford. So yeah, they look very good. All praise to Ten Hog um, and being ruthless and being firm in his stance. It's great. I'm sure United fans are loving it right now, too. They certainly are loving it. And those two teams from Manchester are not too far away from actually playing each other. We'll get to that in a second. As we have now reached the midway point of the Premier League season, game week 20, and Brandon Aston Villa are taking on Leeds, your club, versus a Leeds team, which is exactly what we expected. Um, but what's the matchup looking like between these two clubs? What do they look like recently? Yeah, Aston Villa just lost in the FA Cup to Stevenage. Really, really embarrassing loss. To be fair, it was a, our team was full of backups. 
um, but should it be losing to Stevenage ever when you have the likes of Coutinho on the field, Morgan Sanson? Um, yeah, just not great overall. But, oh well, it's a cup. I'd like to win a trophy. I think we all would uh, in this, this little room here. But um, that'll have to wait for, for Villa at least. Um, but, yeah, this, this matchup has sort of been like a rivalry in the past couple years. Um, sort of like these sleeping giants that were in the championship for a while. If you remember, um, both Villa and Leeds were fighting for promotion in that game um, where... Um, a Villa player goes down injured, leads fake, oh play God, the ball yes. out of bounds, go down and score. Um, and Bielsa tells the Leeds players to get out of the way on the kickoff and Villa go down and score a goal because Bielsa let them. First of all, that top five weirdest things I've ever seen in football. Um, so, but ever since then, it's sort of been this like rivalry in a way. It's, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Uh, very exciting games, typically. The last matchup, however, was a 0-0 draw. Wah, wah, boring. The ones before that were 3-0 Villa, 3-3 draw, 1-0 Villa, 3-0 Leeds. So it's sort of been all over the place. I don't really have any predictions for this, but I'll leave you with this. A fun fact, of course. You'll always get a fun fact from me. In this matchup, since both of them were back in the prim, the home team has never won. Guess who's home this week? Aston wow. Villa. I hope they can change that. Unai Emery, we're going to the moon, baby. I like your optimism. I love it. Good luck in that matchup. Uh, Brighton, they're actually playing Liverpool this week. And since 2017, Liverpool have dominated the series with seven wins, two draws, and one loss in the matchup. The last four were in favor of Liverpool. They had a 2-0 win, a 2-2 draw, 1-0 win. And they actually, Brighton had the 1-0. And then a 1-1 draw. Um, one point only separates the two clubs right now. And that's a bit of a crazy thought when you consider where Liverpool have been the past couple of seasons. Uh, but this one's going to end up with a lot of ramifications, I think, going down the road. And I'll ask this question in a second because Newcastle and Fulham, obviously Newcastle, top three teams in the Premier League right now. Pretty insane. Uh, the last four matchups go 2-0 Newcastle, 1-1, 4-0 Newcastle, and a 0-0 draw. Um, both teams obviously have been surprising for so many different reasons. Newcastle being the top four, but also Fulham coming up from the championship, scoring lots of goals, like Mitrovic getting already over 10 goals. Um, so Marco Silva, the Fulham manager, uh, he has it out. He's got a lot to do to even get a result against Newcastle. When you look at um, what they've done defensively this season, they've had more clean sheets, I think, than anyone else in the Premier League, Newcastle. Um, so a lot of uphill climbing to do. But my question from a second I want to ask now. So between Liverpool, Fulham, and Brighton, I want to know, of these three teams currently, who is the most likely to get a European spot? Steven, I want to ask you this directly. Who do you think will get it? Out of those three teams. That's such a weird question. Fulham, Brighton, and Liverpool. That's I just I still can't get over where the table is right now. Um I mean, you got to say Liverpool. Uh, this Cody Gakbo signing, uh, Liverpool fans are hoping it is jumper cables um, straight to that locker room. Uh, but they just don't look good right now. Um, I got to say Liverpool, but no, I'll go Brighton. I'm going to go Brighton. Oh. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna go Brighton. I think the right answer is Liverpool, but going out on a limb, the craziness of the season, 
Um, and just there's no other reason to not think it's Brighton, honestly. Um, they've given me every bit of confidence to believe in them. So, yeah, I'll go Brighton. Wow, that Brighton. was tough. Whew. The obvious answer is Liverpool, and the correct answer is Liverpool. Liverpool sits sixth in the table, then it's Fulham in seventh, then it's Brighton in eighth. I'm assuming that's why you asked the question. Very good question. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, definitely Liverpool. They've sort of hit a stride, but they're still inconsistent. Like, every game you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, at least Brighton plays consist- consistently, but they still lose games. Liverpool just has this thing about them where they know how to get results and can win one nothing. They can win ugly. They can do it all. Um, yeah, my answer is Liverpool. Fair enough. I respect both of your answers, and I won't think of either of you less than anything that came before this. Uh, well, the two biggest matches of the weekend, arguably, are two massive derbies. We tease this in the intro. We have the Manchester derby and the North London derby. We'll start with the one in Manchester, Man United versus Man City. The last one in favor of Man City, four to one, um, and they have been a pretty good series uh, since 2016. Man City has eight wins over Man U's six wins, and then only two draws since 2016. Uh, famously, Man City has had a six-one in the past. If you remember all the way back in 2011, I'm sure uh, Man City fans probably rubbed that into Man U blood and make it very very irritating um but yeah fun fact there's only been four draws since 2010 so someone's probably gonna win that's just what's gonna happen mathematically um but these guys are point these guys are level on points right now man city do have a game in hand but i mean it's so close we talked about how ten Hag has really brought this man U club up from what they had expectations on the beginning of the season they're really in contention this year for top four um so i think the question being is the winner of this game or the result of this game a sign of who will finish above the other at the end of this season? Um, Man City or Man U, Brandon? Um, no, but I think there's a lot of pressure in this game on Manchester City. Um, Arsenal don't look like slowing down. I know we're going to talk about them in a second, but they have to win these games. Manchester City has to keep winning. They need to get that train going and then just win out basically the rest of the year like they seem to do every year. Um, I think Man City will will stay above. I think Man City will probably win this game, but um, yeah, it's a, such an interesting matchup. I didn't even realize they were tied on points. Steve? Yeah, just looking at Man City's past few league matchups, they beat um, Chelsea only 1-0. They tie Everton, beat Leeds 3-1. They looked comfortable in that game, to be fair. Um, Lose to Brentford. There's just some inconsistency there. Uh, They beat Fulham 2-1 and get a red card. It's all their games have been close. It's not the 7-0, 4-0 Man City that we have been seeing. We've been seeing a lot of Holland goals. Um... But I still, and this is a well-oiled machine, but to credit to Manchester United, I feel like this game, in seasons past and matchups past, Man United doesn't need to be at the top of the table to take down City. Uh, I feel like they always play up to City, minus that 4-1 defeat, that was really rough. Uh, It's going to be a great game. Uh, United's in great form, and so is Manchester City. In no way, shape, or form am I going to say that 
you know, City doesn't look good and they're on the ropes. But there's a lot of pressure and they are tied on points. So there's current realities that these players probably are feeling. Um, and to United, it's one of those games that's, what is there to lose? Um, if you're a Ten Hog, you're going for it the entire game. Um, you're, the fan base is all behind you. And is the game at uh, United or is it at uh, at City? Yeah, I believe it is at United. Also, yeah. not to fact check all of us, but Man City is on 39. Man United is on 35. Um, Man United is tied with Newcastle. Unless what I'm looking at is wrong. But, anywho, they're really close. Yeah. So, needless to say. No, they're not tied on points. But, um, but still, yeah, it's going to be a great game. Uh, United, I think, playing at home, having the mentality of nothing to lose, really. it's You're always... Throw Rashford up there. Throw Anthony. They're going to be going for it as opposed to City. Again, a lot of these most recent results, they're not super, like, commanding, even though as well as they might have commanded the game. You can easily see Rashford um, undoing somebody and just breaking into space or Anthony or maybe Martial. No, probably not. But maybe Martial gets on the score sheet too. Um, I got United in this one. I just feel confident in Ten Hag right now. I think it's all gelling and working together right now. Benching Harry Maguire, getting rid of Ronaldo. The star power isn't there right now, and it's a team. It's a cohesive unit, and it looks good and convincing. Steve, you're just knocking out the park. I think you're right. I think, yeah, just let Marcus Rashford continue to do what he's doing. Let him tear up that Man City defense. And, yeah, I have advantage Man U in this one, which makes me scared of Tottenham fans because we got Man City coming up. I don't want them to be angry against us. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think Man U has it going for them right now. Their confidence is sky high. And, um, yeah, I feel pretty good about what they can do against a Man City team that hasn't been like Man City of old necessarily this season. So do, they do seem you, vulnerable. Do you think that this game is a sign of who will finish above one another oh, in yeah. the season table, though? Like, quickly, uh, no. yes or no? No, okay. I do not think so. No. Yeah. I don't think I so think, I think it could. It just... I think I think for me, yes. I think just Man U, this could be a building block point for them. If they win, and if Man City, again, the same thing with them. They've done this before. They're professionals. They're champions. I think, yeah, I think the win of this game has a lot of momentum coming out of it. So I'll wow. say yes to my own question. <laughs> there you go. Moving Maybe on to your, wrong answer. to your own game now. <laughs> yeah, we have Tottenham and Arsenal. Um, and going back to 2014, there's been six draws out of 18 games. And what's crazy to me is I look back and all the way back to the results from 2010, um, Arsenal haven't lost at home since 2010 to Tottenham. And Tottenham haven't lost at home to Arsenal since 2014 in a Premier League match. So the home team typically has the advantage, but I know Steven is shaking in his boots right now, having the number one Arsenal team in the land come to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at a team that's looked a little shaky in the back, Steve. So do Arsenal break this home team trend finally in 2023? A little shaky? Uh, yes. Arsenal, I'm pretty confident, will beat Tottenham pretty handily. Um... Yeah, Tottenham's been on the skid a little bit. Um, have not been convincing to me. Um, I just, yeah, I've been saying. I feel like I've been saying this since the very like first few weeks of the season. I've been like one of the biggest proponent. Not that y'all have been against Arsenal, but biggest like proponent for Arsenal since the beginning of the season. Like I've always said, I feel like the first like six episodes of the season, I was like, this team's really 
good. Um, and I they're gonna score goals. Tottenham's attack against Tottenham's Arsenal's attack, yeah, against Tottenham's defense just doesn't bode well. Um, at one point in the season, we're talking about how great Tottenham's defense is. It hasn't looked that way of recent. I hope we win. I hope Eric Dyer doesn't pass backwards uh, to Martinelli on a goal. Um, I hope Hugo Lloris can stop a shot that's 30 miles per hour at his chest. Um, these are all things that I hope happen. Will they happen is the question. And then you have to factor in, will Tottenham score a goal that doesn't come from a Harry Kane assist or a pass right before or a long ball or Harry Kane goal? And I'm just not too confident um, on that. So, yeah, I'm going Debbie Downers on this one uh, for, for Spurs. And I'm sure I'm sure the good angel uh, over here next to me will uh, say something else. Yeah, you know I got to. I got the shirt on today. Come on. You know, I was rewatching the highlights and reminiscing on that last game, which was just so unfortunate in so many ways for Tottenham. Because you had a Hugo Lloris era, you had a red card from Emerson, which, again, was pretty harsh. Um, dumb foul, harsh red card. Um, so, yeah, just like a horrible, horrible game for Tottenham. The one that they'll definitely want to forget and move on from all the way back in October. But now it's redemption time. You're at your home stadium. You have come out of this World Cup break. You look a little shaky, but you had a really, really good result against Palace. So let's come out of it. Let's get the big win. I'm thinking like a 3-2 high-scoring affair um, in favor of Tottenham, which doesn't bode well for your defense, obviously, but you got to hope that Sonny can turn it on, that Harry Kane can turn it on, that you know, Kulisowski's probably going to have to come out on the bench on this one, and we know that he can be that spark to change the Tottenham team, and that's what I'm hoping for. Um, we really are desperate right now because now we've fallen behind Manchester United for that fourth spot. So, you know, if they lose to Man City, that's a big opportunity for you to get points, advance not only on Man U in the fourth spot, but even Arsenal, who are first in the league right now, you can knock them down a little bit. So I'm hoping a big result for Tottenham, but Brandon, you're the you're the neutral guy here. Uh, are you sticking with Arsenal? you think that they could contain their run at number one? Or does Tottenham have a chance to knock them off a little bit? And I don't say everything, but most things say that Arsenal's going to win this game. Um, but big players come alive in big games. We've been waiting for young men's son to turn it on this year. Halfway through the year, this could be it. This could be the game that wakes him up, gets him out of this weird funk that he's in. And Harry Kane, young men's son, that's all they've needed for the past, what, four years? It's all they'll need for eternity, I feel like, to get results. Um, it's them two, and they can carry Tottenham to a victory. I do think it is possible. Pretty unlikely, though, I will say. But that's where the hope uh, lies for, for any Spurs fans. If you're Arsenal, you're very, very confident going into this game. Uh, and I'm sure those away fans are going to be real up for it. It's going to be loud in there. Yeah, It is going to be loud. And real quick, at risk of sounding like every other – every argument that's against Spurs fans and the poking fun and all that stuff, I think the difference, especially going in, is league position right now. Arsenal is going for a title. They're going for a trophy. The big thing with Spurs, no trophies, right? We struggle to win competitions. We're out of the uh, Carabao and FA. And still in FA. Still in FA, yeah. We actually just drew it, yeah. 
But we just got eliminated from Carabao Cup. I just, I just, we're probably not going to win FA Cup. That's probably our best bet to win a trophy. But the point being is Arsenal's riding high. They have so much momentum right now, and historically in the matchup, they did. I mean, they kind of, there's, we're still Arsenal's little brother in a lot of sense of the terms of trophies, success, league success, and they're just rolling right now. Um, and they're not, and they're seeking that revenge from the Spurs finishing above Arsenal in the past like four or five seasons. So they just have all of this pent up momentum on their side and just, yeah, y'all aren't going to touch us. I feel like is the attitude of the Arsenal players going into this game. But anyways, I just, I just got a vent. My therapist called out this week, so this is this is just really good for me. <laughs> um, so I think we're good now. I think I'm okay. Hey, that's okay. Sometimes our therapists are not the best people ever. You can't always rely on them. That's what oh we're gosh. here for as friends. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Well, we're going to close things out with our final segment. You betcha. Putting our money where our mouth is. And, again, this goes without saying we're amateur bettors. We're really – just doing this for fun. So there's no way is this betting advice to what we say. Um, we're going to give some locks, some games that we believe you can nail it in. This is what we're going to stand firm in. Steven, your first lock of the weekend, a game that you think you could make some good money off of, buddy. Oh, yes. I think I put uh, around 50 Gs on <laughs> Manchester United uh, against Manchester City. Uh, yes, those odds, Manchester United is plus 330 on the money line. So one of the biggest, like, kind of payouts of the week uh, of this match week in the Premier League. Um, Like we said earlier, there's usually a winner and a loser. Probably not a draw. It's an even matchup. I got United. They're in good form. That's my lock in this week for me. Brandon? Ooh, ooh, ooh. If you were paying attention earlier when we were talking about Brighton versus Liverpool, uh, we talked about the recent history. It's draw, result, draw, result. And I do see a pattern here. I am betting a draw against between these two teams. It's plus 270 for the money line. Lock it in. Okay. For me, I am going against the grain. I am going with a Crystal Palace win at Chelsea. Listen, Chelsea have not lost to Crystal Palace at Stamford Bridge since 2017. They suffered a 2-1 loss to Palace then. And the reverse fixture earlier in this year, you might remember it being Graham Potter's first game as Chelsea manager. That one ended in favor of Chelsea 2-1 at Selhurst Park. But that was a very different Chelsea team before all their injuries. Graham Potter, you know... He's, he still hasn't even figured it out at Chelsea. Come on. But Palace, you know, this is a great opportunity for them. They've had a really embarrassing loss to Tottenham that they can now come back and they can beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and make a little bit of money for this guy. That's my lock-in. That's Cole's lock-in for the week. You betcha I'm doing that. No, uh, no regrets. And we'll talk about this later on to see if it was for a good. Um, <laughs> but hopefully that's a fun little segment for you guys. If you like something like this, go ahead and leave a like. Leave a comment of who your lock-in would be for the weekend. We would love to know where your head is at looking at the Match Week 20 in the Premier League. Um, but as a whole, that's going to about wrap things up for the supporter section today. Another one down for the boys. Um, we hope you guys enjoy the discussion. All the transfer rumors, everything like the A-Cup. FA Cup and now the Premier League Derby is going on in Manchester and in North London. 
leave a comment, leave a like. If you made this far, go ahead and subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell. That way you never, ever miss a video. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at the supporter section. And I have been Cole Carter. They have been Brandon Kasnick and Stephen Curl. We hope you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy all the soccer. We'll see you guys next time. Until then, peace out.